and welcome to the UC Architects Podcast. This is episode 17, recorded on Sunday, the 10th of February, 2013. I'm your host, Pat Richard, and today I'm joined by five of the best in the industry. Uh, Stahl Hansen, Michelle DeRoy, John Cook, Tom Arbuthnot, and Johan Veldis. Uh, Stahl, what's new? I haven't talked to you in quite a while. No, it's uh, been uh, quite a while, actually, since last time. Uh, I think it's about uh, last year, since you are now in the new year. Yeah, what's uh, what's been happening with you? What are you working on these days? Yeah, I've been working on a lot. Uh, January's been a really uh, crazy month. I've been uh, doing uh, Link 2013 classes, uh, both internally in my company and uh, I've been uh, last week. I did um, a Link uh, masterclass uh, for about a week, so I've been uh, preparing those labs and uh, sessions, and staying up uh, all night and making it happen, together with uh, fellow MMP Tommy Clark. So, yeah, it's been exciting. And the week before that, I did uh, two talks on Nordic Infrastructure Conference about uh, wireless uh, networks and uh, the other was um, automated uh, monitoring with uh, with the operation manager so i spent a lot of time getting that to work as well so yeah it's been a busy busy month ah, okay and we're going to have you talk a little bit about uh, link over wi-fi here in a few minutes cool uh michelle what's happening on your side of the world uh, a bit of snow at the moment and uh, um, yeah, busy with uh, with exchange stuff. I've got some feedback on the fixed folders uh, script uh, that was mentioned in last uh, last podcast. And I've been asked to uh, do a troubleshooting uh, job in, uh, in Denmark, which was nice. It took a week. It was on uh, integrating a product of not to be named uh, vendor with, uh, with exchange. Um, yeah, so that uh, kept me busy for the last uh, last two weeks. Uh, Well, it's always good to stay busy. And uh, somebody who knows a little bit about snow as well, uh, John, uh, uh, put down your surface and uh, tell us what's happening. (laughs) Uh, Hi, Ori. It's good to be back. Sorry, I missed the last one. Um, Yeah, it's been something's first sustained snow we've had in quite some time here in Chicago, which is ironic, but uh, my Huskies are happy, so that's good. I've um, been working a uh, large uh, uh, voice deployment for a, a pretty large organization. Um, also, uh, yeah, like as you mentioned, coming off the excitement of, of Surface Weekend, Surface Pro Weekend, and also the frustration, which maybe we'll talk about later <laughs> simultaneously. Okay. All right. I'm anxious to hear about your experience. Uh, Tom, how are you, buddy? Pat, uh, good to be on again. Yeah, what's happening? Uh, what are you working on these days? Uh, yeah, listen, that, I'm, I'm still working on a, a 2010 voice deployment. Um, some of our guys are starting to sneak in some, some 2013 deployments now, so that's quite interesting. Um, and just, just looking forward to uh, knocking this week out and then getting over to the Link Conference, really. Woo-hoo. Yeah, big party. John's buying. That's what I've heard. <laughs> there will be buying, sure. <laughs> and uh, uh, Johan, how are you? you got a, a new microphone. You're sounding great today. What's happening with you? Yeah, I'm uh, currently working on a, a large uh, deployment of uh, Exchange 2010 with uh, 42 Exchange servers. Um, yeah, a, a lot of uh, troubleshooting in the environment, uh, issues that we find uh, we need to solve it, and uh, further uh, playing with uh, with Link 2013 uh, in our lab environment, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, okay. It's always fun to play in the lab. Sure it is. <laughs> All right, in our top stories, uh, Microsoft has released a new support document for um, the Link clients on Windows 8 and Windows uh, Server 2012, so now it is uh, officially supported. Of course, it worked. it's always worked fine, but uh, they have now come out with uh, a document saying, hey, we know it works fine, and we're willing to support it. So uh, we'll get a link to that uh, uh, KB article on our summary page. Uh, next up, uh, Microsoft has released a, an update for uh, the Mac for Link, and John, you've got some information about that. Yeah, uh, Justin uh, Morse, uh, who uh, has been on the uh, podcast several times, um, did a pretty good write-up on what um, you know what new changes there were. Um, I believe a while back there was some threads going on on a 14.0.3 client, which I don't believe was ever you know, publicly released. It was a, sort of a, if you have one of those ones where you could call in Microsoft support and get it. But this 14.0.4 uh, um, update that was released, uh, I believe, last week, um, kind of adds all those functionalities, and I, you know, thinks it makes it a official update. And the, the biggest change now, um, it makes uh, 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 USB, uh, USB audio devices work correctly in the, in the Link for Mac client, and allows you to switch um, um, inside the Link client uh, those devices. Whereas before, you had to go in through the Mac, uh, you know, system utility and switch your audio devices in and out, which is obviously a pain. Um, so uh, overall, pretty good update. I'm not sure if there's any other. I'm assuming there's probably some other fixes and stuff like that. But that was pretty much the main main feature that uh, you know USB audio devices now supported uh, direct control of those and uh, and uh, devices that are optimized for Link as well. But we included a link to Justin's blog if a little more detail. So uh, not being a Mac person, um, to switch a device previously, um, could you do it in real time when you were inside a call? You, well, I mean, even with the link for desktop, you know, PC clients, sometimes the link client doesn't detect that hardware change sometimes. But, but yeah, you could go in and uh, switch the output device or input device from the system level, but you may or may not be guaranteed that the call that's already in flight might change. You know, a lot of times you might have to dump the call, you know, kill, kill media and then come back in. Um, and then if you add virtualization in the mix, then it's a whole other beast because depending on if you're using parallels or or uh, uh, a fusion from VMware, um, it'll pass through that audio connection. So let's say if you know you might not have to dedicate, you 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 assume that the audio, USB audio device is passed into the VM, um, so that could add some complications here. But but yeah, I think if media was already in flight, it may or may not pick up the the change. Okay, okay. I know that um, in my experience on the PC side, I've always been able to to change devices on the fly as long as it was. Uh, from one headset or microphone to another, uh, the only issues that I've I've generally ever had is if I've gone uh, from a a Link Phone Edition device to a microphone or headset or in the other direction. As soon as uh, as soon as you were bringing an LPE device in, um, you'd have the same issue. Sometimes it it just wouldn't go, or uh, there would be a significant interruption in the call while the phone rang and you picked it up, or whatever the case may be. So glad to see that that uh, update is is out for the Mac. Yeah, it, is, it actually is really handy. I mean, because uh, um, now, like I said, it was hit and miss. And if you did, like, let's say if you did have, if, like I said, in virtualization scenario, if you did have the headset USB device swung into the VM and you wanted to connect a call on, on the Mac side, you may or may not be able to get that device back. You'd have to disconnect it from the VM, hope Mac sees it, then hope Link for Mac sees it. Now you can actually grab it and, and select it. So. Okay, good. And uh, next up, um, in January, Microsoft released uh, a couple of updates 
uh, for Link, but these were for the Link client. They were not uh, really a, a cumulative update uh, that you would normally see for, say, a uh, Link server. So uh, check these out. We'll have a, a, a link to the KB article for these updates as well, so you can push them out to your users. Uh, next up, uh, uh, Style, you uh, have some experience with uh, Link over Wi-Fi um, and read the white, the white paper and have some thoughts on that. Tell us what you're thinking of. Yeah, so I'm uh, going to spend a little bit of time on, uh, on the Wi-Fi since uh, Microsoft uh, released a um, document, a white paper for Wi-Fi support uh, <coughs> now in January. And it's called Delivering Link 2013 Real-Time Communications over Wi-Fi. Uh, and, uh, and one thing to note here is uh, that uh, Link 2010 actually wasn't supported over Wi-Fi. So if you did uh, uh, run Link over Wi-Fi, it was best effort experience. And uh, to um, have good quality, you should re redo the meeting or uh, your connection over wired connect connect uh, connection. Um, the thing is about um, the white paper from Microsoft, it's, it's just a um, guidance on what to think about when um, uh, realizing a link over wireless networks. And uh, I did a talk on the Nordic Infrastructure Conference on um, network and uh, Wi-Fi um, and voice over Wi-Fi optimization. And uh, to prepare for this talk, I uh, talked with uh, Aruba, which is um, uh, certified for Link, um, and uh, talked with them about how how they solve uh, voice optimization in Wi-Fi. Uh, and then I talked to some others, other vendors that uh, are not uh, certified for Link, and that was uh, Meru, Meru and uh, Cisco. And, and it dawned on me that um, they talk about the same things uh, in how to optimize for Wi-Fi. And, and that's also the short story for the white paper by Microsoft. And that is um, all vendors actually do um, deep packet, packet inspection to find uh, what kind of traffic it is and can mark the packets with the DSTP values. So um, they are able to do QoS tagging uh, within the wireless network and bring that over to the LAN and WAN and over to the back into the Wi-Fi. And the other thing that's stressed when uh, when doing uh, link in over Wi-Fi is that you need to have quality of service in your network uh, at uh, all ends, so end-to-end -end quality of service, because it doesn't help just doing it in uh, the Wi-Fi. You need to do it in LAN and WAN as well. So um, uh, if not, you will lose your tagging, and uh, and and when you're going back to Wi-Fi again, uh, you you will not get that priority. <coughs> so um, the other thing they said was um, they they just deploy access points where the users are, because um, they they aren't doing um, coverage analysis like they did before. Uh, because now you need to deploy Wi-Fi uh, as um, uh, more for um, uh, throughput and not for coverage. Because that's, that's the main problem with uh, wireless networks today. And I, I guess a lot of um, 
companies have deployed Wi-Fi for coverage uh, to get uh, internet working and not to get uh, real-time communications working. And the problem with Wi-Fi is that um, it's it's not built for voice or video. Uh, so uh, you can get a lot of uh, packet loss uh, and a lot of latency because it's a shared medium. And another problem is that uh, often uh, 2.4 gigahertz network is used, um, and those only have three channels to do this on. So um, uh, the recommendation for by Microsoft and the other vendors are moving user to um, to um, five, five gig. Yeah, 5 gigahertz uh, networks uh, and the 802.11n networks. So, because the, uh, those networks do uh, both 2.4 gigahertz uh, and uh, 5 gigahertz uh, networks. So, um, and and also uh, to deploy um, multi uh, uh, multiple antennas for multiple channels. Uh, so. Users will get more throughput where they are, and uh, a lot of the vendors actually do move the users to less um, to uh, access points uh, where there are less uh, users, uh, even though they have lower coverage uh, for the users. So um, uh, for the um, uh, white paper. Uh, it's it's quite detailed around uh, drivers and uh, what kind of uh, scenarios you are looking at, and they're covering both uh, enterprise, uh, home, and hotspots, um, where hotspots are really good luck. Uh, there's actually not much we can do there. Um, so what so, about uh, what about people in in public areas? You know, you go to your your local uh, Starbucks or whatever. Is there any uh, any change in that? Yeah, that's more like a hotspot recommendation. Okay. So uh, because usually on Starbucks and every every other public places, they are uh, more constrained on uh, how many users there are and how much throughput each user gets. So um, they. they they probably ha also have uh, some lockdowns in their network, so that's more like um, you could design for it if you are offering it, but don't expect anything when uh, even though you're running Link 2013, because um, the, the support for Link 2013 uh, for voice over Wi-Fi is that you actually do optimize your Wi-Fi for voice. So it's not that Link is better handling Wi-Fi. It's that you're, they actually know how to deploy Wi-Fi now, so it will support voice. Okay. So no changes on uh, Starbucks and uh, <laughs> other places. <laughs> okay. All right, thanks. Yeah, good stuff. I, uh, I watched your presentation from Nick. It's really good. Yeah, thanks. No, and, no problem, and, to and, and to close it off... Um, the reason for Wi-Fi now is um, is a huge uh, a huge um, point is that you have more devices moving to wireless, and uh, right now uh, and in the future, you actually see 
users use Wi-Fi to do link more than before because you now you have laptops without Ethernet connections and uh, we get Link Mobile that does uh, voice and video and uh, they are going to do uh, multimedia on uh, on um, devices that doesn't uh, that that's more that that are mobile devices and uh, doesn't have an Ethernet connection. So yeah, uh, small PCs, tablets, slates. Uh, mobile phones, both uh, iOS and uh, Windows Phone and also Android. So um, that is really critical before you roll out those devices and support them in your organization. You need to actually rethink your wireless deployment. And that's where the white paper comes in good hands and where you should hook up with uh, with uh, vendors that know how to uh, optimize for voice. Yeah, good, good stuff. I mean, I, we're, I'm, I'm kind of going in the same kind of uh, scenario here. We're, we're we're tracking users with bad call reports and uh, across the globe, and I'm you know I'm kind of going through monitoring and and uh, the Microsoft uh, PSK um, file success kit data. If anyone's not familiar with that, um, to uh, to identify you know which subnets are bad and then drilling down from 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 there and saying all right yeah well here's the thing here this person's on some clunky Wi-Fi connection you know and <laughs> their latency is 600 milliseconds and and here's the reasons for these calls so it's it's very um, I think it's very you know it's, yeah, like you were touching on it it's, it's going to be very very important as these devices that have no Ethernet connectivity like mobile devices tablets um, everything's going to be on Wi-Fi and uh, and in my in my personal experience too it, it's not even link specific um, I you know I, I've had bad bad audio quality on uh, Cisco IP phones uh, you know soft phones for the same reason on Wi-Fi so it's not necessarily just a link thing it's just any kind of VoIP um, you know trying to go off a desktop with Wi-Fi it can be problematic if the Wi-Fi environment's not you know, really, really looked at and you know, optimized yeah. that. Yeah, and you, you need to have uh, QS tagging uh, both for on the wired and the, and the controlled network where you have your Windows computers and what you have with uh, where the operating system can tag with DSCP tags. But then you have your unmanaged devices like the Windows RT, uh, iPad, uh, Android devices where you don't have the ability to tag the traffic for QS. And then it's good to know that the network vendors do have that technology in their wireless networks. Yeah, like I said, and I think it's obviously going to be becoming more and more important as time goes on, so good stuff. So when you have, um, you mentioned the, uh, the tablets and, and wireless devices that don't support QoS tagging. Um, so for clarification, because I, I get asked this uh, question uh, every once in a while, if you have an environment set up where you configure your QoS in-link server and you push out a GPO for QoS for the application on the desktop, what happens when you have a non-QoS uh, capable device like a tablet? It still works, uh, you just don't get the optimization uh, via QoS uh, that you might uh, if it did support QoS, correct? Yeah, uh, and the problem is that uh, it's not linked that tags uh, for the DSCP value, it's the operating system. Yeah. So Link doesn't have uh, any QS features. It only can right. do uh, uh, narrow down the port range and stuff. 
But uh, what I think we are going to see in the future uh, is that uh, more and more networks are going to do real-time communication solely on wireless networks. And then you need to um, actually have uh, the tra tra traffic tagged in the wireless networks because uh, if you don't, then you uh, get problem with uh, packet loss and um, latency because uh, since wi wi wireless networks are shared medium, you don't get any kind of prioritization. prioritization. Uh, so even though you have, you could get lucky and have um, a, a low um, uh, an access point that's not uh, overloaded or have, have a good uh, uh, or a few users, but um, you can't guarantee for it unless you do QS. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah, definitely good stuff. And uh, moving on to um, uh, another link topic, uh, Tom, you've uh, uh, got some thoughts on the Polycom update for Link Phone Edition. What's up with that? Yeah, so this is the uh, the belated CU7 release that has been re-released now. Um, so it was released, I think, uh, November time, and or maybe even December, and then pulled because um, there were some issues around it. Um, it's been re-released now, and uh, we've rolled it out in a few places, and seems to be fine. So this is the the update that everybody was waiting for to give you the the music on hold actually from the LPE devices. And so one thing I, I noticed, I haven't uh, haven't played with music on hold um, that much yet, is uh, you don't get to change the the, the music. It, uh, no. <laughs> it embeds the music in the device itself. Yeah. So if uh, if you think you're going to put uh, you know Motley Crue or something on your music on hold, uh, you're you're kind of out of luck there. <laughs> yeah, no. If you if you want your own music, you've got to use the uh, the, the fat PC client. If you uh, as uh, as you guys say, it's baked into the firmware, so there's no changing it, there's no editing it, there's no nothing. It's just either on or off. I wonder if you can hack that. <laughs> yeah, probably sure not in a supported scenario. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff, and we'll have a link to the um, uh, the TechNet article about that update. Uh, next, uh, John, we're going to have you talk about the Link Connectivity Analyzer. That's something new and, and definitely getting a lot of notice. What's what's up with that? Yeah, um, I think it was released uh, late last week. Um, and um, basically, you know, uh, if you, for people that, you know, we probably touched on this a few times before, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of moving, more moving pieces to get the mobile, the Link mobile clients, whether they be mobility clients like for the, for the, for the phones or now the Link MX client. Um, to, to work, you know, in, in, a, in a in a functional and supported way, um, there's just a lot, you know, a little complexity there. And, and, and since uh, the Link Mobile piece has been off for some time, most of this is pretty well documented and understood now. But the Link Web or the Link uh, MX app, or we'll call it the Link Windows 8 uh, App Store app, whatever you want to call it, um, but was formerly known as Metro, which we can't call that anymore, um, is sort of a, its own weird beast because it is it behaves somewhat like a thick client like a desktop client and, and it beha behaves also somewhat like a mobile client so um, it is a little bit different than either the the full desktop client or the the, the, the phone edition clients as they stand today uh, you know I say, when I say I mean phone I mean uh, mobile uh, platform um, so the, so there, you know there's there's the typical you know troubleshooting scenarios are you know fiddler that kind of thing um, and sip traces um, um, uh, BP in from the client itself or uh, uh, through the server edge, whatever, what have you. But uh, there's still some pieces sort of missing, and I think. And so this link continuity analyzer uh, Microsoft released um, 
Yeah, it basically goes through and kind of looks for and you know has a running log of all these different components um, and kind of you know will highlight um, you know what what things that should be going on that aren't or you know unexpected responses. So it kind of picks up where um, the online connectivity analyzer you know ends and keeps on going a little bit um, with a little bit more detail or a good amount more detail I would probably say. And then you know and it's, it's some slick stuff like this. so you know you can run you know so you can do it from internal or external. You can tell what client you're using. So it's, it's not for just the link. Um, 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 uh, MX app, but uh, also for mobile clients as well, and uh, you can test both internal and external. So you know, given given the nature of the, the client type and, and the, the nature of the internal external scenario, um, we'll look for some different things. But basically, you know, it, it basically will go out and and log all the different connectivity attempts, whether it be for the you know, auto discover record, what the response for auto discover record was, what all the different URIs that that, that expected for reach and MCX, you know, all those kind of things, uh, you know, whether they come back or not, what the expected result was. So just a lot of really a lot of good detail to allow you to really drill in um, when you're troubleshooting uh, Link MX app to um, a specialized again that was my kind of my focus with it uh, recently um, to see kind of what the inner workings are um, and and uh, you know where the problems are so definitely well, definitely worth a look um, and then you know again like some 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 neat little utilities to uh, e you know email the log file so there's a, you know it, it logs the results in a text log you can just hit a button and email you know, open up Outlook and, and send that log to somebody you know it's kind of cool you know it, it saves some steps um, definitely um, worth checking out. So you had mentioned uh, Fiddler. Can you uh, uh, define what Fiddler is and and what it does with Link? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Fiddler's. Uh, I, mean, I only came across it maybe like last year or so, a couple years ago. Um, it's basically a, a tool that that just sort of listens for web connections. It does a few other things too, but uh, listens for web connections on a machine and kind of just writes down. You know, uh, uh, think of it like Wireshark for just like web connections. So as you launch a browser or uh, launch Outlook, all the web calls that machine makes will start uh, logging into the Fiddler window. And you know, it does some slick stuff, too, where you can you know, use it to you know, include its own self-signed cert that you trust, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it can decrypt that cell connection, too. But it also, so not only is it logging all the open connections and where they're going and errors and what have you, 401, 200s, what have you, um, it'll also allow you to render those responses um, both, you know, in, in a variety of ways: the actual hex view, the web view, the you know HTML view, um, uh, an XML view, whatever that might be. So you can see the contents of that that stream in real time. It's extremely handy for troubleshooting um, link and exchange. You know, in those kind of scenarios where let's say you fire up link and you're getting exchange connectivity errors, you can Fiddler will tell you, okay, yeah, you're going to the exchange AWS, but it's the wrong URL, or it's looking for HTTP and not HTTP, whatever that is. Fiddler is really good for that. So, uh, like I said, the LCA kind of it expands on what what Fiddler does and, and focuses it directly on these kind of web calls for uh, not just the web calls either, but uh, uh, for the link connectivity. Yeah, I think I think LCA is going to tell you something wrong. Fiddler is probably your go-to call to actually work out the details of why that might be wrong. Yeah, exactly. I and actually and that was one of the things we we, we uh, the in my environment I am, which is a very large um, environment. Um, and uh, they made some exceptions. There's some, there's some, you know, exceptions to the hairpinning and stuff. So um, internal uh, link mobility has to go through the internal side of, of TMG, you know, kind of workaround we talked about, I think, many episodes ago. Um, but as a result, for whatever reason, the LinkMX apps didn't work. So all the mobile apps work fine, 
Um, but Lincoln MX didn't work either internally or externally. So I did a bunch of, so, I, you know, I was doing a bunch of research on, and troubleshooting. I forgot why it wasn't working. And, uh, this was kind of invaluable. But, uh, ultimately it turned out in this particular environment that we had an OCS edge and OCS directors in the mix. And there, there conceivably is some known issues with that. Um, so it's something to be, to be mindful of too, just sort of an aside. But it ended up, it ended up being what it was, we cut over the link edges or the OCS edge routes to link edges the, this weekend, and now it logs in fine. So, but uh, definitely uh, handy to, to troubleshoot that stuff. Of course, uh, another uh, good tool is the the remote connectivity analyzer that we mentioned a couple episodes back. That's been uh, kind of combined with the Exchange uh, analyzer into uh, one online tool. So. Yeah, definitely. I, I mentioned that like a, a minute ago, but yeah, I mean, definitely. Kind of this kind of just kind of takes that to the next level in some ways. It gets, it gets a little bit more granular, but yeah, the uh, EXR. Well, I used to call it the XRCA. Now it's just the RCA tool, I guess. Um, uh, is definitely good for a quick, you know, what's going on. And uh, now there's that offline component, which is really slick too. And uh, you know, I wanted to mention um, that kind of takes us into our next topic. Um, um, the Link Conference, of course, is uh, starts a week from tomorrow, and uh, definitely some sessions there on on troubleshooting. And I know that a bunch of us are are going, um, and we're giving away a pile of gear. So uh, uh, as of today, we have more than 40 pieces of equipment to give away, including uh, a slew of stuff from uh, Plantronics and DigiCert and SNOM, and um, uh, Event Start or no, not Event Start. Event, event zero? Event zero, yes, sorry. Um, and Kemp, and uh, uh, we might have some stuff from uh, Life Size and F5. Uh, we're giving away some uh, busy lights. We're giving away uh, headsets. We're giving away speakerphones. Uh, so I wanted to take a moment to kind of mention, uh, if you're coming to the Link Conference, make sure you bring some business cards. Uh, what you'll do is you'll you'll find one of the the podcast guys wearing one of the, the black uh, UC Architects t-shirts and hand them one of your business cards, and that's how you get entered. And Along with $25. <laughs> yeah, that does move you up to the top of the bowl there. Um, and then uh, uh, Thursday afternoon, uh, we are going to uh, draw for each, uh, each of the items. Uh, you do need to be present to win, and you can win one item only. Uh, but definitely uh, some vendors have really uh, stepped up and, and donated some quality equipment and services and everything to uh, to help you with your deployments and help uh, get some user adoption going and, and make it a better experience. So we're, we're really looking forward to that. I know that um, the session builder uh, was launched for the conference a week or so ago. And uh, I think every time slot I have is uh, either triple or quadruple booked because there is just a slew of good sessions um, in this conference. I kind of wish they would uh, extend it another day or so and, and duplicate some of these uh, sessions. Yeah, totally. I know I'm going to miss a bunch that I want to go to, but you know, it's what it is. Yeah, and there, there's going to be um, there's going to be quite a few vendors on the expo floor. Um, I hear the the floor is is. Um, completely crowded um, and the event itself is sold out so there's going to be about 900 uh, link people coming to uh, San Diego uh, for some fun in the sun and looks like a great facility I know I've never been there but I've heard uh, some really some really good things about it so 
looking forward to uh, to seeing my uh, podcast buddies and, and meeting uh, uh, a lot of the listeners. Uh, I know I went to uh, the Exchange Conference and had a lot of people come up to us and say, hey, we listen to the podcast and uh, and good stuff. We really like it. So it's always good to hear things like that and, uh, and hear what uh, people have to say about um, things we're doing right and things that we're doing wrong and, uh, you know, some suggestions and things like that. Yeah, as long as constructive. <laughs> yeah, it's always constructive, and, <laughs> and, and and it's always welcome. You know, of course, you know if if you've got an issue that you don't like, and and you and you tell us about it with a twenty dollar bill, then we'll really <laughs> we'll really uh, take that to uh, into consideration. <laughs> yeah, I, I really money look forward to the to the conference. Uh, it's going to be really fun, and uh, since there's so much so much there I, I really don't know what to expect but uh, I know the sessions are good and a lot of people to uh, connect with so yeah it's gonna be real fun yeah so so John uh, and Tom and Stau and myself I think are the four people that'll be there so uh, plenty of chance to uh, to get your business card uh, to us and uh, we look forward to meeting you moving along to uh, something that's probably near and dear to John's heart the uh, Surface Pro is finally out if you can find them yeah did you did you manage one. to get one yeah i did uh through much uh, frustration and, and anger and screaming at people but yeah i mean okay so i mean i guess we uh break it into two parts one that uh, we'll just get to the chase the device is phenomenal um in my opinion um i've been using it since yesterday kind of getting it all um set up you know the way i wanted and uh and again, it's, it's an actual desktop. It's also not just downloading stuff from the App Store. It's also like, oh, I, want to, I need to install, uh, you know, Link Res Kit. Oh, I need to install this. I need to install this. So um, uh, it's actually a very great device. I've been very pleased with it. What I'm not pleased with, though, is the way they handle this launch. And I don't know if you, you know, if you, people who pay attention to Twitter, how the, all the, you know, the FUD, the fear, and certainly and doubt that's been going back and forth by the by some of the let's just say, hyper-pro Microsoft apologists, uh, you know, I mean, it's just sort of, like, ridiculous to say, you know, on one hand, they're, 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 they're throwing down, like, you know, look at, look at the demand, it's sold out, but then it's like, come on, guys, uh, you know, every Best Buy got three units, if that, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, just calm down, let's, let, let's you know, it, it, you could be a fan of the product and of Microsoft and also say, look, Microsoft, you kind of, somebody dropped the ball on this, so that's kind of my one beef, is just that there was, was no supply whatsoever, um, the retailers weren't telling anybody what their supply was, so you know you walk in the store on, at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, and and I and I walked into a, a Best Buy that um, uh, that uh, is an area that you know just the, the the town it's in is larger than 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 most of our U.S. cities, and the surrounding areas is is, is as good as most most of our large cities, and they had three, <laughs> one two three, one one twenty eight and two sixty four gig. I don't even call that a real launch. I mean, you know, so it's sort of frustrating. But um, if you've, you know, follow the reports, people kind of, you know, looked all over. It sold off, sold online um, uh, early on Friday night or Saturday morning, however you want to face it. And so, you know, by all accounts, there's a lot of demand, um, but not as much that would belie how much the, how little supply was, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, um, that being said, so I ended up just getting a 64 kind of temporarily until it's 128 start start shipping and number, and I'll probably swap it out because um, I just don't think 64 is enough. But um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you have questions on the device, I mean, I uh, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of reviews out there. Some have been actually they've kind of been all across the board. If you look at the kind of the amalgam of the the top 10, you know, CNET through uh, Washington or uh, New York Times, you know, those kind of ones, they've been kind of been all over the place. But um, 
So how, do, how yeah. does it uh, compare to your RT? Because you have a Surface RT as well. Yes, sure. Um, well, I mean, yeah. If you look at the, the you know the general you know hype surrounding the you know the the launch beforehand, you know the, the fundamental difference between the RT RT is ARM based, um, you know, which is a multi-core uh, 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 processor, but that's more designed for mobile devices, and so uh, by uh, its nature is much less power-consuming. So. Uh, so the upside for Surface RT is that, that it, the device is smaller, uh, lighter, um, and gets substan- you know, substantially better battery life because of the ARM uh, chip versus what is in the Surface Pro, which is in, you know, a Core i5 Intel desktop, you know, mobile desktop chip. Um, so, you know, but the, the core differences would be uh, the ARM chip, Microsoft has only locked down the desktop side, the actual, you know, Windows 8 desktop side, which is called legacy desktop if you want, um, to only run the embedded Office apps and, can, and, you know, nobody can install or develop any any ARM-based uh, apps for that side of the of the device. Um, the only devices allowed on RT are come through the App Store and are the, you know, Metro or, you know, uh, Windows uh, new interface style apps. So, you know, the downside for you know, heavy users like I would probably consider us is that there's no Outlook client because it's not included in the in the home home was it home home office version that's on RT. So there's no Outlook client. There's no ability to install like I was saying earlier, Snooper or any of the million tools we use, Fiddler, any of the million tools we use, the Link Connectivity Analyzer, all the things we mentioned so far, you couldn't use those on RT. Um, but uh, on Pro, those I mean because it is just a full desktop uh, or laptop, I should say laptop, uh, it, it it does best of both worlds. So all of your your Windows app apps work, and all of the uh, legacy desktop apps work. It's 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 quite a cool um, you know combination. Um, and you know the, the, there's some trade-offs. Certainly, the battery life is is definitely worse than RT. I've been I've only had it a day, so I can't give a, you know solid things. But for most most of the reports and reviews, it's anywhere between you know on a, a kill the battery drain test, you know low four hours to as much as six if you pay attention. I I probably was getting it at least in a five hour range. I Took it to bed and was screwing around with it until probably two in the morning. <laughs> I probably got at least five hours. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's a little bit heavier, a little bit thicker. Um, uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, it's a little bit heavier, a little bit thicker. Um, it does have fans, but if you look at the reviews, I mean, the way Microsoft uh, designed the fans is actually pretty slick. Um, there's sort of a, a running. It's not like it's not like it got one fixed vent area. It's kind of the vent goes all the way around, like uh, three quarters of this of the, of the you know surface of the device, and uh, and vents out kind of where your hands are. And it's actually pretty cool. And I've yet to feel really hear or feel the fans come on. It gets a little warm in the upper left corner uh, uh, when you're cranking on it, um, but nothing crazy. So. Um, all in all, I mean, really, really solid so far. Um, and I don't know if you saw some of my tweets. One of the jokes was because I couldn't get any accessories. Um, one of the things that I mean, I really want to use this as kind of that you know, dock it with a laptop and maybe a keyboard and mouse, whatever, or just even a mouse. I've been I've been using with the Surface. Uh, I bought the both the both the Type and the Touch cover with the RT, and uh, I like the the Type cover much better personally for me. And and the Type cover with this has been absolutely. I don't know for some. It seems strange. But for some reason, I'm able to type faster on Pro with the type cover than I was in RT. I don't know if maybe it was you know, because of lag maybe with some of the apps and the text. I don't know. It just seems like I'm typing way more accurately and faster with Pro and the type cover than I was with RT and the type cover. I, it sounds crazy, I know. But, but I mean, I've been, I kind of hooked the external mouse to it and uh, having a dual monitor kind of set up, and uh, it's been pretty slick. But the, 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 what I was going to say was the, since I don't have any accessories, the Apple mini DisplayPort connectors so far seem to work with the Surface Pro, which so if you have those laying around, <laughs> you're not you're not SOL until you can get the uh, 
Microsoft ones. Oh, that's oh, good to know. Yeah, it's actually handy because I was like, I mean, I have to wait now to try to get some monitor. Um, and uh, uh, no, I didn't have to. And also the Apple USB Ethernet works if you use the boot camp drivers. There's another, another form so, um So from a mobile perspective, as a mobile, um, as a unified messaging device, I know that uh, you were doing some testing with me a little earlier, and, and you were logged into uh, to link on that uh, on your surface. Um, and I kind of asked this when we did the the review of the RT. Um, from a unified communications perspective, is this a laptop killer? I would say so. I mean, maybe I would say probably maybe not this device, but what we're also seeing along with the arm. Um, um, you know, I think the biggest problem with the RT was, I mean, the ARM family of chips, you know, design of chips, is, is they're phenomenal, and they really do what they do well. I think the impetus is to get, you know, and, and over time, obviously, there'll be, you know, uh, ARM chips. that like there's a tech, was a tech or three that's in the surface. But as they come out with new, new newer devices and um, and uh, uh, better graphics, uh, you know, processing hardware, I mean, the RT-based tablets hardware-wise seem a little bit underpowered today, but I don't think I suspect that to change. The, the one wrench in their gear, though, is that Intel, I think I would argue, you know, took way too long to come out with the new uh, CloverTrail uh, uh, family of Atom processors. I know, I know we talked about this before, um, which are pretty good. They're nowhere near as good, I would say, is a full desktop replacement or laptop replacement as an i5-based device. But I think they easily are as good as RT, um, and if not better, because they don't have all the hang-ups of being ARM-based. They're x86-based, so they run all the legacy hardware, albeit maybe not as fast um, and in you know, much capacity as, as something like the Surface with ARM, um, but they're cheaper and they're fanless, and the battery life's more on a par with, with the arm base. So I think... I certainly see that that it, 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 the Surface is certainly a, a I think a desktop or a, you know a full laptop killer in a lot of ways, um, especially with you couple it um, with you know you take it home you use it on the train you 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 know you dock it at home you dock it at work that scenario now again obviously design wise the using it on the train is 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 up for conjecture with, because you know using it on your lap the way the 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 the, the, the keyboard connects and the kickstand works um, may not you know. Uh, be conducive to that, but you know that being said, um, well, you can you can always fold the keyboard back. And yeah, just I mean, use the, I just the, rip, the on-screen you know, t- uh, keyboard. Right, and when I go to bed, I just rip the keyboard off and use it as a tablet. And then you know, when I I go get ready to go down to work, I slap the keyboard on and and uh, and away I go. You know, so it really works um, well for that, I think. But I, but to your question, I mean, so I think uh, uh, the like for example, the um, just today the. Uh, ThinkPad Tablet 2, or I forgot what the, the actual full model was. It's a CloverTrail-based, um, uh, you know, ThinkPad tablet with a stylus. It's it's affordable. It's got it's killer battery life, and um, um, the reviews are pretty much off the charts. And with everything, including like a keyboard, uh, uh, external keyboard, um, you know, and, and you think of it as you know a typical kind of you know keyboard dock device and and then a, a tablet screen, and they connect together. Uh, there's no battery in this one, but um, you know, I think you buy them about 700 bucks, and um, so they're a you know, decent amount less than this Surface. Not tons much, and I would argue that probably it should be less money. You know, one of the two should be, or both should be less money, um, because for a few hundred bucks more, I might as well just buy the, the, the Surface. But um, uh, the uh, uh, I, I would say either one of those class devices most certainly are 
for a lot of people going to be that sort of, all right, well, I have a, and, and I think of the way the market's going, like, you know, I'm obviously still an Apple fanboy, and I have my iPad, but I have a Mini now, and my Mini now is used to really just be that sort of, you know, all the things that I don't really want to carry around a full-fledged laptop to do, or my book reader, or, you know, and, you know, we talk about app ecosystems, the, you know, there's just so many more apps uh, in the iOS environment, like for, like, Nest, you know, for the thermostat control, my car, all that stuff. Um, right now, I still gonna, I'm, I'm still always going to carry an iPad around, right, at least for now, or some sort of, it's not an iPad, some other tablet. Um, but, but so what's, a mini is, you know, the mini, carrying the mini and a Surface in my bag is, is, is nothing, right? So to me, it, the Surface doesn't have to be all those things. The Surface really is taking, is really competing more than, with my Air than it is um, with my iPad, which I think is cool, you know. I mean, that's, and that's kind of what my beef was a lot of the, you know, reviews were. It was like more like, well, it's, it's half the battery life of an iPad. Well, it's not really an iPad. <laughs> it's more about a laptop. And I don't know if you saw my tweet yesterday. I actually took my we, – we, I'm not using my full-size iPad anymore. My wife, my wife still is, though. So we have, like, one of those Belkin hard, you know, hard uh, just shell covers on the back and a smart cover, you know, Apple smart cover on the front. That combined weighs – only a couple ounces less than the RT does, or sorry, than the, than the than the Surface Pro does. So you know, you know, yeah, the iPad weighs a good amount less than Surface Pro, but if you carry your iPad like all of us do in some sort of combined, you know, cover case or whatever, they're the exact same weight. So it's kind of funny to me, like you know, once you start, uh, uh, you know, in, in, ensconcing these things, these devices in 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 in, uh, in cases and stuff, they all become the same weight anyway. So now, have you have you put a uh, an SSD card in it? Yeah, I got a 16 gig card, which is cool. But I'm finding so far, you know, just like any other laptop, some things won't, you know, install to it or, or deal with it because uh, um, it's uh, it's an external device. Like for example, SugarSync, I, I use as a you know, it's a cloud-based sync uh, solution, and I want to use that as a target for like all my docs and you know, exchange uh, help files, all that kind of stuff, and dump it there instead of taking up uh, space on you know on the main SSD, and you can't do it, you know. So if you're gonna run around, I think some of that stuff, but uh, so I mean that it works really well otherwise. Otherwise, um, and uh, like I said, I've already hooked the keyboard and mouse up, up to it, and while Bluetooth wise, um, uh, a USB Ethernet device, uh, a USB uh, three hard drive, external hard drive, um, you know. So I mean, it's just. Okay. I was going to say you mentioned uh, USB three. That that's a big difference between the RT because the ARM processor did not support USB three. So it came with a, a USB two port, and some people were, you know didn't understand that it was uh, you know a limitation with the ARM processor, and were kind of you know complaining that hey you know what's the deal with the USB two port? You know I want the faster throughput. But on on the uh, the Pro you get the USB three uh, the USB three port and uh, the much faster throughput. Yeah, and if uh, you look at like uh, Paul Thorat's uh, review, he's going to do a multi-day. As I know we've been, we've been, we've been. I'll, I'll ramble. I'll, I'll ramble on this all day, but so <laughs> I know we should move on. But if you check, check out Paul Thorat, he's been doing kind of a, a day by day using RT. I'm sorry, using Surface Pro. Um, you know, and all the you know pros and cons and the things he's been finding. But one of the things he showed is yeah, because it's USB three, there's a lot of these cool like you know USB desktop docks, which have that have multiple use you know USB connections. So one USB three into the the Pro, and it breaks out to be multiple you know uh, uh, USB three, USB two, whatever video and Ethernet. It's kind of a cool scenario to kind of like you know kind of just hook one cable in um, and uh, and then go. I was asking about like a I was kind of looking forward to getting a um, Mobile, or you know, a, a, a car connector too at some point. But 
Yeah, good stuff. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to getting the the pro myself uh, as soon as I can find one available. Yeah, that's the rub. <laughs> and uh, uh, next, uh, John, we'll we'll stay with you. Uh, the MCSM beta. Um, you wanted to to get a few words on that. What's up with that? Yeah, I just want to talk. I mean, I know uh, uh, Michael's going to be going to the first uh, full rotation of MCSM, which is now you know what, and we've talked about this before, but uh, just to fill you in, um, the um, you know, Microsoft Certified Master Program is now being renamed in uh, the Microsoft so Microsoft <laughs> Microsoft uh, Certified Solutions uh, 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 Program, and um, um, you know, basically, I mean, it's, the program's fundamentally the same. They're just changing sort of the name and kind of the, I guess, the scope and kind of branding that can match with some of the other changes back to MCSE um, for the uh, uh, for the you know knowledge. Uh, testing, so yeah, and so the first official rotation, you know, the first full rotations in June. Um, there was a beta rotation for existing MCMs um, uh, going on in April, and I decided I'm going to go. Why? Why? Why anyone would sign up for that? I'm not sure, <laughs> especially for the third third time. But um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm sort of you know getting ready to embark on that adventure again because knowing full well what it's like. Um, it's you know it's just something like you're like okay uh, uh, yeah I'm gonna do this again and uh, I guess what I said is you ask yourself okay why am I doing this again this one's only gonna be though so it won't be as bad um, not really sure why it's a little bit shorter the normal ones will be the full rotations will be three weeks as usual but um, you're just a masochist yeah kinda yeah I, I, again like so somehow two weeks doesn't sound anywhere near as bad as three <laughs> uh, but uh, it should be good um, there's a lot of uh, uh, good guys going and. Uh, a lot of the guys that I know know for a long time, uh, one of them from my original 2007 rotation is going to be there. So I figured, uh, you know, all things being equal, one, it's a, it's a little bit less money to, for the beta rotation than the full rotation. Um, and two, so that was one major uh, you know, impetus. But the, another one was, you know, I figured I'm going to have enough study pals there. If I can't, if I have, you know, this is the best shot I'm ever going to have at passing another one is, is now, so I better jump on it. So, um uh, it's gonna be. It should be interesting. Let's put it that way. Um, and I can't wait to go ahead. I was just gonna say, good. You'll have to uh, keep us up on uh, on the process and uh, and your experience. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, I think I was, I was gonna talk to you. Maybe we should, uh, you know, sort of have a, you know, checkpoints and kind of, you know, preparing for <laughs> preparing for MCS day thirty. You know, but. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, I've already got the you know the process of getting the the chum file sort of broken out in the chapters and in other formats other than CHM, which again as 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 an as an aside, I've always thanked the link team for providing the link documentation in something other than Windows help files because you know there's those all those other devices that exist that don't know what a Windows help file is. Um, actually, I, I gotta say though another huge perk RT could read them too, but another huge perk. Of having the pro now, so I mean, and there's been there's there's uh, we talked about this I think a long a while back. There's some pretty good uh, CHM readers for the for the iPad now, stuff like that. But um, the uh, it's nice being able to have a native device that you can carry around with all your stuff and not have to worry about you know uh, whether it opens an iPad or not. You know, to be able to study because I use this quite a bit um, for that kind of stuff with, between the help files and uh, and you know just different articles and white papers, it's really handy to have those on one place and on uh, as many devices as possible when you're getting ready to study for this kind of stuff. Good. Good. And speaking of uh, of exchange um, and uh, newer things, uh, Johan, you wanted to talk a little bit about the update strategy for Exchange 2013. 
Yeah, uh, Mike, the Microsoft team uh, has posted uh, a blog uh, this week about uh, the change in the uh, servicing uh, strategy, as they call it. Uh, in Exchange 2007 and 2010, you had rollups besides the service packs. And starting with uh, Exchange Server 2013, uh, they will um, provide uh, cumulative updates uh, quarterly. And uh, the difference is that they will first deploy it uh, in Office 365, and after it works okay there, they will publish it to uh, for the on-premise environments, uh, as far as I understood. Um, there's a big change in the supportability, which um, yeah, some customers may like or don't like, and that's that um, the CU, after a new CU is published, uh, it's supported for another three months, so in totally six months. And after that, um, the CU isn't uh, update, isn't uh, supported anymore. So I'm curious um, how customers will uh, will deal with that because. So the big que- the big question I have is, are they going to be numbered cumulative update one, uh, yeah. or are they going to do you know cumulative update uh, March two thousand thirteen like the link? Yeah, well, if you uh, if you have a look at that at the block, they will call it um, CU one and CU two, but yeah. Maybe it's just uh, names for now, and they will have to decide uh, how to uh, how to call them later. Uh, when when they decide thing. that they simply must confuse people even more. <laughs> yeah, I think they sometimes go out of their way to do that. Right? Yeah, and, and also the the other thing uh, I, I saw uh, was um, there's uh, uh, on the uh, bottom of the article there's a Q and A, and and there's a question: Will there continue to be service pack releases? Uh, and uh, the answer is similar to previous releases. It is anticipated to periodi- periodically uh, provide service pack updates. So it looks like that service pack updates also are still available instead of the uh, besides the rollups. And that was something I was expected, um, yeah, to to disappear also. But yeah, I, I yeah. I don't think um, large organizations will be happy uh, with this uh, change, but yeah, I don't know how, how you guys uh, think about it. Well, I think uh, one of the big improvements is that you never straight away uh, implement a certain customer update level uh, at the customer. You don't need to install, uh, let's say, uh, Exchange 2013 SP1 and then apply a certain roll-up version with the additional uh, X amount of minutes uh, added to that. But on the other hand, you can also not uninstall it, so it's a bit <laughs> that's a thing uh, which worries me. Also, I see uh, I have lots of customers working with a certain, let's say, a building block principle, and it takes a certain amount of time to actually develop those things because also some third-party add-ons are put on top of that, and that needs to be tested with that customer update uh, which is brought out and you have now a certain amount of weeks or months to test that and after that your support uh, yeah you've got yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got six months to, to test everything and well uh, most well, customers will have uh, multiple applications uh, which will uh, hook into exchange so yeah, obviously 
there, there are also uh, additional products with the antivirus or whatever, which also need to be tested with that new customer update, and some may require an update. You need to wait for that. So, yeah, it, uh, yeah. from a timing, uh, time management perspective, it may be a challenge to, uh, to yeah, do it. Yeah, I'm also very curious how they will um, will do it themselves because uh, yeah, a few months ago we saw an update from uh, from the Exchange team about the uh, new service provided in Office 365 and uh, that they still haven't completed uh, the complete uh, update process, which was then um, started six months ago. So I thought, yeah, okay, but how do you gonna plan the Complete uh, upgrade of Office 365 within three months, as you now have an update which already takes more than six months. How does a big environment? Can be an excuse. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, so but, that's yeah. why. Yeah. But, uh, but besides, there's one positive thing, uh, maybe uh, that's that uh, security fixes will be uh, provided separately uh, from the CUs. So. That's also so um, yeah, something you need to keep in mind that it's not only the CU but also security updates uh, could be released if uh, if necessary. What I also find a big advantage, and I don't know if you mentioned it, is that they uh, merge the two uh, teams from the uh, together from the online and the on-premise department. Say that correctly. Um, so there'll be one build for, uh, which is the same for the um, online experience as well as the exchange you're uh, accustomed to. You get uh, for the on-premise environment, and well, you say they have problem, may have problems with implementing that, uh, implementing it themselves in a timely fashion, but. Yeah, I think the roles are a bit reversed now because they stated that they will be implementing it themselves and after that it will be released to public. So it's a bit yeah. the other way around, uh, other way around in my uh, view. Yeah, but yeah, that's something uh, which um, I think they will need to prove that they uh, that that the time uh, timeline is uh, is valid because they're putting a lot of uh, time pressure on themselves. Uh, by uh, announcing that uh, CUs will be uh, available each three months and that they first will be validated in uh, Office 365. Because we all know uh, the last few roll-ups, uh, which were sometimes uh, version 2 or version 3, uh, because um, of bugs uh, which were included in the, fr in, the, in the initial releases. I was afraid you are going to mention that. <laughs> yeah, it's something yeah, which you hear in the field from from customers uh, yeah, a lot. So, yeah, it's it's something we will need to keep in our in our mind. So, I'm yeah, very curious how uh, how the CUs will be and I hope the the, the quality of them will be uh, will be better. Uh, and yeah, that's a plus point for the on-premise environments if they find a bug, it the ch the chance is bigger that they find it in Office 365. So, uh, if you if you've got uh, your own premise environment, uh, you're lucky because uh, 
yeah, then probably there will be a new CU uh, update on version 2 or version 3, but don't hope, uh, hope it will happen uh, anymore. We'll see. Yes. Yeah, so speaking about uh, updates, um, we got a new update on um, the link uh, prerequisite script uh, this week. And a um, uh, cool thing about that is uh, it, it helps you um, install prerequisites for link servers. And I know I use this tool a lot myself uh, for 2010 where I could install prerequisites for different server roles, uh, front-end servers, mediation servers, uh, edge servers, uh, uh, what, what was needed there. And uh, I actually linked to it from one of my very popular blog articles on msunified.net. And uh, this script is, is uh, the main uh, drawer for that. And um, the script is made by our own uh, Pat Richard, and um, uh, for me it's actually a tutorial on how to script in PowerShell as well, so um, uh, if you want to see how it's go it needs to be done in PowerShell, you should uh, look at the script. So well, I'll, I'll certainly say I'm certainly no developer, I just uh, am fortunate enough that I push buttons and stuff tends to work. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it's uh, quite a, a learning uh, lesson. So, um, and it, it also does other cool things like installing the debugging tools, best practice analyzer, and uh, helps you restart your server. So, Pat, um, could you tell us a little bit about the script and uh, what you, what's the roadmap for your script going forward? Yeah, so um, I get, uh, like you, style, uh, I get a lot of traffic for the, the 2010 version on... Uh, eloworld.com and uh, for several months now I've been getting inquiries about hey when are you going to adapt this for uh, for 2013 and so I actually started with a you know a brand new script um, and right now it will install all the prerequisites uh, for only front-end servers I don't have the edge servers or directors or uh, persistent chat or anything like that yet I just haven't had the time to uh, to test those implementations but what it does is um, it has some fail-safe checks. Uh, it's designed to work on server 2012. And uh, it'll go through and install your operating system prerequisites. And it will also install SQL Express. So normally when you install Link, Link will install the SQL Express and create the required instances. But the Link RTM code uh, installs the SQL Express RTM. Uh, and the problem is that's a little outdated. Uh, first time you go to Windows Update, there's a, a great big SQL Express uh, update that takes forever to install. So uh, what my script does is on top of the operating system uh, prerequisites, it installs uh, SQL Express uh, SP1 and creates the necessary instances. And when the link installer comes by, it sees that that uh, that task is already done and just skips over it. So you you essentially start with an already updated uh, SQL Express. Um, in enterprise servers, you have two instances of SQL Express, and in um, uh, standard server, you have three, and the script will adapt uh, for whichever one you're trying to do. Um, and as you mentioned, um, it'll do some other things. It'll install the debugging tools, which uh, include uh, OCS Logger and Snooper, uh, it installs the the best practices analyzer, and I just added the um, the link server uh, connectivity analyzer the other day. 
Uh, and then I threw in um, a little feature at the end that it'll create some some tiles on your desktop for sh uh, shutdown, log off, and restart, just kind of as a convenience thing. And um, and it, it's it's worked pretty well. We used it to roll out our our internal production servers on 2013. And uh, I threw it out to uh, some people in beta form and got nothing but positive uh, uh, notes back about it. So um, it's out there. We'll, we'll definitely get a link to um, to the script on the summary page for this particular episode. And, uh, and just like the 2010 version, I will also uh, be updating it, uh, streamlining it, uh, addressing any issues. But we'll, we'll get the, the edge servers on there, the mediation servers, directors. Um, uh, persistent chat, everything. I, I want to uh, make sure that I can cover uh, pretty much just about any normal scenario that people would be deploying Link. So if you have some suggestions, obviously send them my way, um, as well as if you have any issues, then uh, uh, send them my way. But uh, check it out. We'll, we'll get it up there. Um, and it's, it's pretty simple to use, so uh, hopefully you like it. Um, yeah, and then, another and then, thing I saw here is that it's in installed Silverlight as well. Oh yeah, it'll do Silverlight too. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, so oh, that's cool. It, yeah, it will do <laughs> Silverlight. Essentially, under most uh, circumstances, if you have a domain joined uh, server that you're going to use for front end, this script will will take you from that point to the point where you're running setup for link. So it does everything in between. Um, as far as I can tell, I have not run any across any scenarios where, where that's not been the case. Um, oh, I have a feature request. Yes. Uh, if you do an enterprise installation uh, for uh, with Link uh, and you open the Link control panel, you will get prompted to type in username and password. Oh, uh, yes. Yep. But by adding the, um, the URL for your enterprise deployment, to uh, you don't have to type that. Yeah. So maybe that would be a good feature. Uh, I can I can certainly look look into doing that. Um, now keep in mind that um, that URL doesn't get defined until you put it in the topology builder. But I can certainly um, oh yeah, yeah I, 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 I can certainly try to look at that. I know I looked at it in the 2010 thing, and there was um, there was some complexity around adding stuff to the to the trusted sites list from within PowerShell as a, a security concern. So, yeah. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that that's a great idea, and um, and speaking of other updates, um, you know, earlier we talked about the the link phone updates, uh, and and Tom was talking about those, um, and I have a script for that too that that streamlines uh, updating firmware for your link phone edition. Um, Jeff Schertz wrote a great article uh, quite some time back on on the entire process, and I basically just went through that article and and wrote a script that that. You run it and it browses for uh, the update file, and uh, you choose the update file, and boom, it, it gets it up to your your um, servers. So um, we'll get a link up to that as well. Yeah, cool. I look I look forward to all the future updates, and uh, I will uh, certainly give you my uh, suggestions. <laughs> Thanks. Like I said, I'm I'm not a developer. Uh, I I do uh, mainly scripts like this because it helps me do my job. And I figure if it helps me do my job, then I'm sure it will help other people do their job. Um, you know, some people, you know, a lot of us that are on the podcast here, uh, all we touch is Link all day long. And um, and we understand every nuance of the product fairly well. But uh, some people, more generalist people, this will help them because they don't have to go through and research all this stuff. It'll just take care of things for them. So, 
And when does the, I had a question. When does the, the script become self-aware? Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Skynet. Because I'm kind of concerned one. right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I looked at um, uh, the 2010 version, and I had a, a ton of stuff in there, and mo and a lot of it was. Um, stuff you could do after you had Link deployed and some third-party tools and stuff like that. And I'm certainly open to doing that uh, again. But, yeah, definitely. There, uh, I was I contemplated some, some interesting scenarios where um, where it could go out and self-discover some information. And I thought, well, I, I'm not sure, so sure I want it going out and doing stuff like that. When it, when it does, we'll, uh, we'll rename it to Skynet. <laughs> oh, no, scary. yeah, just it's not the not the you know smoke, but uh, but uh, yeah, no, I mean I I've been using it for years before we even you know knew you came on the podcast, and it's been it's very helpful and uh, it's really good work. I just want to say you know just, you know not somebody on the podcast, just a you know random uh, guy out there. It's it's a very appreciated it, the work you put in uh, to build that tool out because it's phenomenal. And and like you're you know like you're saying yeah, I mean. Um, you know, I, 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 if I, even if I remember all the components, I have to go on a new server. I mean, I, I might not be building servers all the time, so it's handy to go. Oh, I don't want to look up to see which freaking, you know, <laughs> which yeah. dates and patches and hot fixes I got install here. I'm just gonna install this script and let it run. You know, I got other stuff to do. You know, so it's it's very handy. I, I have the world's worst memory, and uh, something that I do, you know, a million times. I still sometimes have to look things yep. up in OneNote to say, all right, what is the the full list of um, of features I need to install from Add right. Windows feature, and 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 so really these are to 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 work around my crappy memory, and uh, the t the two or three biggest scripts on my site, uh, the first one is um, the the Exchange prerequisite script, uh -huh. and the it. second the second one is the Link prerequisite script. I get you know hundreds of uh, visitors a day that 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 look at that. So obviously uh, other it's helping some people, but moving along. Uh, we have one last uh, issue around Exchange, and uh, Michelle wanted to talk about uh, the iOS calendar issue. So, uh, Michelle, what's going on with that? Yeah, thanks, Pat. Um, well, last week uh, I thought it was Tony Redmond, and after him, uh, Paul Rubishew reported on a potential issue with uh, iOS 6.1 devices, which causing uh, excessive logging on Exchange service. And uh, there was a related uh, topic on the TechNet forum and also on the F5 forum there was a topic related to the subject with uh, measures on how to block those devices because they were getting in some sort of loop and it once again has to do with uh, meeting requests on uh, iOS devices. And yeah, it, it doesn't handle that response very well and it gets in a loop. Now, I have put up, a, a, let's say, a summarized blog of all that uh, information, and I see that people are linking to it from iOS-related uh, sites, and they're also reporting on um, overheating uh, iPhone devices. So if you're cold, uh, <laughs> it, it, if, it's, if it's winter and you're cold, uh, <laughs> just... Uh, yeah, so John, respond, you can use just it respond. to melt the <laughs> yeah. snow. Just respond to a meeting request, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, it is true though. You know, it's, if, you're, uh, if you grab your phone and it's like really, really hot, you're like, all right, well, something's clearly. It's yeah, it's, it's it's warm, and, and the battery uh, usage was also uh, uh, very low at the moment. So, um, yeah, there was of course uh, on how to act on that uh, behavior, and yeah, one thing. You can do is uh, point out those users, users tool, using tools like Xmon or 
use, uh, for example, Steve Goodman's script to uh, collect information on iOS uh, users and inform them or um, yeah, block them or use, uh, uh, depending on the proxy you have, you can selectively block those iPhone uh, active sync connections. And yeah, it's, I think That's it's... not nice. <laughs> no, it's not nice, but Exchange server running out of disk space is also uh, hurt, is, is perhaps hurting more people. So, well, you could also turn on circular logging. <laughs> yeah, not recommended necessarily. <laughs> well, you can put that. How about, how about this? You take the people who are who are who are using iPhones, put them on a database, and turn on circular logging. <laughs> <laughs> That's because it's becoming a sort of victim of its own success because the adoption rate of the I. Uh, iPhone is very high, and everybody, oh, there's a new update, and installing it blindly without thinking about possible consequences, and all these uh, IT departments are, of course, struggling with all those eager, uh, eagerly uh, updating uh, uh, users. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I had a chat uh, before, I thought uh, Johan mentioned that this was also, there were also reports on this uh, with earlier versions of uh, iOS can you uh, talk a bit about that, uh, Johan? Yeah, yeah, I uh, solved this issue with a customer of us. Um, we saw it in version 6.x, so, so it's in the, the iOS 6 and higher versions. Uh, we've had users which uh, had calendar items being replicated more than 20,000 times, uh, yeah, which caused uh, an enormous amount of, uh, of logging to be created. And the only fix was to remove the, the specific calendar item, and then the issue is fixed. But yeah, till you find the calendar item, you are, uh, yeah, you you have to do a uh, a lot of things to uh, discover which item it is, because it's yeah. And I think one of the people who uh, and one of the friends I forgot to be on one of the other problems is because um, the transaction growth the, the the issue system you know is visible in, in transaction log growth. If you have a decent backup system and it's working correctly, you may not even notice that you're getting, you know, additional logs because they should be truncated at the end of the day anyway, or whatever the backup no. ones. But it's one no, person. Well, 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 it goes so uh, so fast. This customer was uh, was uh, making snapshots of the databases each four hours, and even then we could see uh, the large uh, amount of logs being created. So it's it's pretty yeah. serious. Yeah, it depends on the environment, certainly. But this one person who was commenting, he's like, you know, he didn't even notice it was happening. It took us only, it's only because one of the backups missed that he didn't notice it was going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, I think, you know, obviously, you know, there's obviously some people are going to bitch and say it's Apple's fault or whatever. And there's certainly some of that. I mean, obviously, they can't test all scenarios and, you know, um, but I, you know, he still is always, we talked about, I think the last time this happened, it's in their best interest to make sure this works right, given the amount of, you know, corporate, uh, uh, Installations of iPhones are out now, so um, and I know they're actively working together to get it resolved. But it, it, it does harken back to the whole thing, like, well, what do you do, you know, if um, you know most corporations on their desktops have, you know, some sort of uh, uh, quarantine zone or you know some way to to to, to patch, uh, uh, you know, out of band and test and whatever before they release the patch to all their to all their desktops. But what do you do with mobile devices when somebody goes home and um, <laughs> and uh, updates their device? Or if you're like some person I know. 
is standing in uh, in the uh, jetway, to, or standing in the airport, ready to get on a plane, and decides to update his iOS devices while he's standing there, and forgets that he has his boarding pass on his phone. So he goes up to the gate and has just a, a white line. <laughs> that was me, by the way. I don't know why what I was thinking, but <laughs> that'll teach you. Well, uh, Michelle. Uh, Michelle, okay, can you can you elaborate uh, on something? What uh, does Office 365 uh, does with uh, with iOS 6.1? Does it block or? I have no clue. I have no iPhone, uh, John, so I can't I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, my understanding is that online will throttle. Uh, use will use EAS throttling to uh, to block um, a device that's issuing too many commands in a short period of time. I mean, the user would get an end, uh, an error message saying that the server's unavailable or something like that. Um, because of this issue, so I think uh, there's you know more aggressive throttling of these events on online, and I'm, I'm assuming you could do this uh, in your on-prem environment also. But yeah, it can be it can be throttled, but that iPhone keeps trying and trying and trying. So right. over time, and given the amount of users connected to that uh, system, it uh, will have impact. Yeah, I mean, so the, 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 there was a few remedies, right? I mean, obviously, so I talk about block, block six one devices. Um, it's already people are already using six one. Um, consider having them uh, to not respond to meeting device on the device, um, which again is you know kind of defeats the purpose of having a phone, right? <laughs> like you, you know, I see a meeting request. Oh, let me go find a desktop which I can use to to uh, respond to this meeting request. Well, well, the biggest issue is, I think, Microsoft has launched a certification program for ActiveSync. Uh, I think it was last year or maybe a, a year before. And it looks like it's completely dead because when you look at, at it, the, the latest iOS version is 4.x or something, which is certified. So, yeah. It looks like the the, the ActiveSync uh, certification program is a little bit dead, and I think Microsoft can, yeah, is the one who should uh, act on it and um, make sure that all devices which are talking to to Exchange and using ActiveSync for it uh, are certified. Because that, when you look at, for example, the Apple Store, if you submit an application, Apple will verify it and. Well, they're pretty strong rules uh, till your uh, before your application is uh, allowed to the store. Maybe we, uh, Microsoft has to do something uh, the same for ActiveSync. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think there should be, you know, like you're saying, it's a victim of its own success. I mean, and so because there's so many people using these devices now, um, you know, it's it's like okay, well, we don't we don't want Exchange to be used less uh, in terms of mailboxes, right? So it, as there's more devices and they're all connected to Exchange, we need to make sure that the, the, the experience is as best as possible. So I think there should be a little bit more, you know, progressive work. And, you know, and we don't know that Microsoft is trying, and it's not Apple's fault, you know, or, or so we don't really know that. I mean, we know just the EAS ecosystem on that front kind of sucks right now because, you know, Microsoft has the, has the framework, but it's up to the licensees to decide what they want to implement. And, you know, that's why it's kind of all over the place. We've talked about issues with Android and in, in the in, in the past, and so, you know, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, somebody's got to do something because this, this does suck, and, you know, um, on one hand, if you're Apple, you would you would think that you'd go out of your way to make sure it, it doesn't, 
Uh, just these kind of things don't happen um, because, you know, the press is more about – the press isn't like EAS or Exchange sucks. The press is, is right now is that, oh, look, Apple screwed up again. You know, so uh, if I were them, I would try to avoid that. But, you know, they, they have some maps to fix. I think that's also <laughs> maybe more of a priority right now. I kid, I kid. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – it's interesting, and it's also one of those things like you know these are it's in small environments you may not ever see these things, but uh, um, in bigger environments these are obviously are huge. So well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. And uh, that wraps it up for us for this episode. I'd like to thank uh, everybody that joined today: uh, Stahl, Michelle, John, Tom, and Johan. Thanks, guys, for uh, stopping by, and uh, thanks uh, to. Uh, you for listening and we'd like to remind you that uh, the uc architects are online Uh, visit our website at www.theucarchitects.com and uh, follow us on twitter at the uc architects we have a facebook page facebook.com slash the uc architects and we have a group on linkedin our podcast episodes are available in the itunes store the zune marketplace and in your favorite rss clients such as outlook see our website for links to everything Thanks, and we'll see you back uh, for the next episode with Steve Hosting.